chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Today in our conversation, our legacy conversation, we're going to unpack a Bible story that showcases the truth that the words that we speak have impact, that words matter. Today's Bible story, we're going to look at three really kind of different incidents. The first incident we're going to see is where God, our heavenly creator, uses his words to encourage and affirm his son. We're also going to read some words that Jesus spoke to encourage and affirm his relative, who I often just refer to as his cousin. And then finally, we're going to look at a a story that showcases how the words of John the Baptist set into motion really a decision that two people make that not only shapes the trajectory of their life, but actually even influences the beginning of the early church. And so, friends, the takeaway message that I invite you to sink your teeth into today is the message that legacy leaders, legacy influencers use their words purposefully. So turn to your neighbor and say, words matter. Church, the words, my spoken words, your spoken words have impact. The things that you say and how you say them influences. And so for those of you who maybe had an argument with a loved one on your way to church today, now would be a good time for you to humble yourself and say, please forgive me, Uh, I'm sorry. Why? Because words, words matter. So all right, Luke chapter 3. I'm going to start reading at verse 2. And as always, try to picture the scene in your mind, okay? Okay. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So obviously, God gives John this message, and part of the message involves telling John to do what? To baptize people, to go along the Jordan River and start baptizing people, okay? Skip down to verse 15. Everyone was expecting that the everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether or not John was the Messiah, might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Skip down to verse 21. One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Verse 23, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Now, can you all envision this baptism scene in your mind The Bible writer tells us that John is baptizing people along the the river banks of of the Jordan River when Jesus comes along. And after Jesus, or John baptizes Jesus, we're told that the heavens open, right? That God's Holy Spirit descends in bodily form in the shape of a dove. 
And then God, our heavenly creator, speaks. And he speaks audibly. Proclaiming that Jesus is his dearly loved son. In whom he finds great joy. Now as far as we know, this is the first time that God has audibly spoken in 30 years since Jesus' birth announcement was made. Remember when the angels came and announced the birth of, of his son? Which suggests to me that this is a big deal. That this is a special event in the life of Jesus. Friends, words matter. And timely words, point number one in your notes, have traction. Timely spoken words have traction. We read here that after John baptizes Jesus and after the Father's words of affirmation, that Jesus then begins his public ministry. That's what we're told in verse 23. Words, right? Timely words have traction. Now in your Bibles, I want you to skip back two books to the Gospel of Matthew. So go back, Mark, and the next book before that is the Gospel of Matthew. Go to chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Once you find Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 1 and then follow along as I read it. Matthew chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Skip down to verse 11. I baptize with water, John said, those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Skip down to verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now catch this. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Now ponder this for a second. Why didn't John want to baptize Jesus? Any ideas? You do know, don't you, that John does not know yet that Jesus is the Messiah? At Jesus' baptism, John does not know that Jesus is the Son of God. As far as John knows, Jesus is just a good guy. Now you say, Pastor Mike, how do you know that? How do you know that John didn't know that Jesus is the promised Messiah, right? The one to, that God would good, was going to send to earth to mend and repair our broken relationship with our creator, right? Because of our sin. How do you know that John didn't know? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. Turn to the Gospel of John. So go back. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and now go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Once you find John chapter 1, skip down to verse 29. John 1, 29. This is what we read. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
He is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as a Messiah. You catch that? I did not recognize him as a Messiah, but I've been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified. I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, remember that message that God gave John? When God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Now ponder this question. Why didn't John want to baptize Jesus? Why didn't John want to baptize Jesus? If John doesn't know that Jesus isn't the Messiah, and he's called to baptize people, why didn't he want to baptize Jesus? Well, prior to Jesus' baptism, John didn't know who the Messiah was going to be, but he was told what? He was told that he would recognize the Messiah how? The Holy Spirit, right, would come upon him in the form of a dove. And when the Holy Spirit lands on Jesus during Jesus' baptism, John sees the big picture. But again, I ask you the question, if John didn't know that Jesus was Messiah, why didn't he want to baptize Jesus? Why did John feel unworthy to baptize Jesus? Could it be that John thought Jesus was more righteous than himself? Have you ever thought about that? Friends, how old was Jesus at the time of his baptism? What are we told? He was 30 years old, right? At the start of his public ministry, Luke chapter 3, verse 23 tells us that Jesus is 30 years old. You know, in a Jewish context, 30 years old is a significant age. If you were a Levite, a Jew, you could not begin your your ministry in the temple until you were 30 years old. And from the age of 30 until the age of 50, that's when you would serve in the temple. And so this is a really significant moment for Jesus to begin his public ministry. So question, if Jesus is 30 years old, how old does that make John? Exactly, John is also 30 years old. How do we know that? Well, we know that. Because Elizabeth, John's mom, we're told in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, was only six months pregnant, farther along in her pregnancy than who? Mary, Jesus' mom, right? So if Jesus is now 30 years old, how old is John? 30 years plus six months. Now we know that Mary and Elizabeth were close. We know that Mary, Elizabeth, or Elizabeth, John's mom, and Mary, Jesus' mom, had a close relationship. How do we know that? Well, when Mary finds out she's pregnant supernaturally out of wedlock, who does she go to? She goes to Elizabeth. She's in a moment of crisis. Think about this practically. When you're in a moment of crisis, who do you turn to? 
You turn to those people you love. You turn to those people who you trust. You turn to those people who, who are going to love you regardless of the baggage of your circumstance. Are you with me? So I think it's safe for us to assume, I don't think it's a stretch to, to su suggest that when Mary sought out Elizabeth, after she found out that she was going to be supernaturally impregnated with God's son, when she turned to Elizabeth, I think it's safe for us to assume that they were close. Are you with me? Okay, so let me, let me go further with this. Is it a stretch for us to assume that maybe John and Jesus were also close? That at the very least, maybe because of the relationship of their mom, that there's a plausible chance that John and Jesus grew up together? You think that's, am I stretching things? I don't think so. Brothers and sisters, I propose that John the Baptist had a tremendous amount of respect for Jesus. So much so, that even though John didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, John still didn't want to baptize him. Rather, John thought Jesus should be baptizing him. Now here's the point I'm trying to communicate. What I love, <clears throat> what I love about Jesus' insistence for John to baptize him communicates this truth, point number two, that everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs encouragement. Words matter. Friends, let there be no misunderstanding that John was spot on about his assessment of Jesus. But John didn't know, even though he didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah, he obviously and clearly understood and grasped this truth that Jesus was special, right? But you know what? John the Baptist was pretty special too. In fact, Jesus later preached in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, that among those who were born of a woman, Jesus said, no one was greater than John the Baptist. So what I'm trying to convey is that Jesus even recognized, now don't, don't miss this, he even recognized that superstars need encouragement, right? Even superstars like John can question their worthiness. Everyone needs what? Encouragement. So here's the application for you and I to apply in our life. Brothers and sisters, don't avoid or shy away from investing yourself in those people in your life who you consider to be a superstar. It could be your boss. It could be someone who you know who has political status. Some of you have friends who are professional athletes or maybe friends who have lots of money or maybe even friends who have fame. Whoever you might hold up and give superstar status to, understand that even they need encouragement. Jesus encouraged John. God, Jesus' dad, encouraged Jesus. Legacy influencers are not starstruck. Words matter. And timely words Spoken by those people in our life who care about us have traction. Would you agree with this? So ponder this for a minute, okay? And this is part of your homework assignment this week. Who are the people in your life 
who you could extend some love to? Who are the people in your world who could benefit from a dose of your encouragement? You know, this past Thursday, Friday, I don't remember what it was. I think it was Friday. I came home and I noticed a package on my doorstep. Now, I just assumed it was for Robin from Amazon. <laughs> just saying. And so I didn't look at it. I didn't bring it in. I went to work and stuff. And when I came home, I, I noticed that my name was written was on it. And when I opened up this box, I always like, I don't know what this is. Uh, there were actually two boxes. One was from Brian and Vanessa Clock. Thank you for the motorcycle parts, Brian and Vanessa. I know you guys are watching. But there was this, this other box that I opened up and inside it was a pair of Vans shoes that the Van Dorans sent to me for free. And they said, we love surprises. And we love to give surprises to people who are part of the Vans family. For those of you who are tuning in online, Vans are a Costa Mesa company, which we we love Vans, do we not? Was I encouraged by their little unsolicited gift? Absolutely. And by the way, these feel really good. I feel like dancing today. Everybody needs encouragement. Words matter. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Who are the people in your world who could benefit from a dose of your encouragement? You know what? They might be sitting next to you. Who are those people in your world who you have known for 30 years? Friends, everyone benefits from encouragement Words matter. Now write this down, point number three. God uses people, their words, to help advance his kingdom agenda in our lives. God uses people's words to help advance his kingdom agenda in our lives. There's one more passage of scripture I want you to look at. It's still here in the Gospel of John. So if you have it open, John chapter 1, I want to skip down to verse 35. This is what we read. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. No, let me stop for there a second. In, in biblical days, if you were a biblical Bible teacher like John, it was not uncommon for students to want to be a part of your life. And so the kind of the teaching methodology uh, in, in biblical days was if you were a, a Bible teacher, much like I am here today, and you guys are a part of, of sort of my, you know, you're, you're coming to learn, right, uh, from, from me in part, John has got these disciples in his life, and they would live together, and they would travel together, and they would, you know, eat together, and they would basically, John was, would, you know, impress upon them biblical truth. And so we read here that John is standing with two of his disciples, okay, so Verse 36, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So John just lost two of his disciples. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, teacher or rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him 
the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Okay, so Andrew was one of John's disciples. John points out Jesus with his words. He's going, there's the guy. I didn't know he was the guy, but suddenly I found out he was the guy, right? Here's the Messiah. And Andrew goes, whoop, follows Jesus. So now Andrew, he's with Jesus. And we're told here, verse 45, he went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intently at Simon. Jesus said, your name is Simon Cephas, which means Peter. Stop there. Is my microphone going out here? A little bit. In closing, here's what I want you to capture. John the Baptist's words influenced Andrew, one of his disciples, one of John's students, to follow Jesus. After meeting Jesus and spending the day with him, Andrew goes and grabs his brother Peter, tells him, I think we found the Messiah. Andrew then brings Peter to meet Jesus. And Peter, along with Andrew, now suddenly become of Jesus' posse of disciples, posse of disciple or followers, to the point where eventually they become a part of Jesus' core 12 guys, right? Eventually... Peter becomes part of the inner core. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist gets killed suddenly by the king. John thus fades from, from the scene, from the ministry scene. But as Peter now is suddenly part of Jesus' best friends, and his inner core sort of, of, of trustees, Peter eventually, after Jesus dies and raises from the dead and ascends to heaven, then Peter, we know, eventually raises up and becomes an, a leader in the early church. Now, here's my point. Don't miss this. Peter, all of this happens in Peter's life, all as a result of John the Baptist pointing out to Andrew with his words, look, there's the Lamb, the Son of God. Church, words matter. And timely words have traction. Some of you, your king, remember when we were talking about always, we have these roles in our church? Some of you are Andrews. I often tell Steve, you know, Mensinger, he's always inviting people. And, they, and part of Steve's frustration is nobody else is inviting people. And that's because not everybody's an Andrew. But Steve, part of your kingdom role is to invite people. And some of us who are really good at inviting people, keep inviting people because nobody else is probably gonna. Because they have other jobs in the kingdom to fulfill. We can still all invite. So don't, don't hear me that. But timely words spoken by people at just the right time in our lives help advance God's kingdom agenda in our lives. Okay, so here's your homework assignment for today. So pull out your app. If you've not downloaded the Palmarist app, go to Google Play Store or to the uh, Apple Store. And on this app, we talked about this last week, if you go to the bottom, you'll see it's Sunday tab. Click on the Sunday tab and you'll see three down menus. It says legacy questions. Click on the legacy question and today you will see question number two. Click on the legacy question. This is your homework assignment for this week. When you review the events of your life, go all the way back to the beginning of your life, to birth. 
Can you point to an experience that you had when someone offered you their unsolicited advice or counsel that impacted your next step? Maybe someone suggested you, hey, I'd like you to meet this person, and they eventually become a spouse, your spouse. Maybe somebody said to you, like me, hey, have you ever thought about going to the ministry, Mike? I think you would be a really good pastor. At just the right time in my life to help make me decide, do I want to go to this direction or I want to go this direction? Right? We all have those experiences in our lives. So I want you to think this week, go back and just, maybe there's one or two or three or five different people in your life at key moments and experiences in your life where someone said, hey, look, here's an opportunity for you. Much like and or John did with Andrew and then Andrew did with Peter. Why? Because God uses people to advance his kingdom agenda in our lives. Words matter. And I suggest that there's a strong likelihood that God has even used you and your words to help influence the trajectory of someone's life. But what I want to invite you and encourage you to think about this week and to thank God for are those experiences and those people in your life when someone offered you unsolicited advice or counsel that impacted your next step. Because, and that's your legacy question. Everybody down for that? Now, I would love to know, I'm going to try this today. I talked about this last Sunday. If you want to stick around for just a few minutes after the service, we're going to pile in the office, church office, and we're just going to go around the room and we're going to share with each other those experiences. Maybe you can point to a time in your life when someone said, hey, you ever thought about being a pastor's wife, Robin? Right? Because God's at work in our lives. Okay? And then once you identify who these people are or who these experiences are, I want you to just live this week with a sense of joy and gratitude to the Lord, giving him thanks for the way that he's used people to shape your trajectory and then also to ask him to use you to help shape the trajectory of others. Everybody down for that? So let's stand. Let's, let's close with one final prayer. And as you put your hands open, and as you think about this truth, words matter, I want you to keep in your mind the face of someone who you know who's had an impact on your life. Maybe you can think about an experience that you've had, either recent or maybe you have to go back a couple of generations when they influenced you that maybe in part has led you to be where you're at today. With our hands open, let's just pause and as we take a deep breath in, say, God, I want more of you. And as we exhale, I want less of me. Now thank the Lord. Say, God, thank you for, and just lift up the name of these people who God's used to shape you. Who are the John the Baptists in your life? Who are the Andrews in your life that helped lead you to where you're at today? Who helped lead you to meet the person you're married to today? Who helped lead you to you fill in the blank? Everybody got somebody in mind? Just say this now. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for 
and for the way that you use them to nudge me that has influenced the trajectory of my life. And God, I ask that you, today you would continue to work in my life so that I too might be someone who you can use and work through to influence the trajectory of other people. To help them meet Jesus. To help them grow in their relationship with you. To help them be a positive influencer, a legacy influencer in their world. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, words matter.